Come on now, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? You gotta make a little bit of noise, come on. Man, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for joining us at one of our locations and online, thank you so much. Man, I don't know about you, but man, I'll tell you what, I love our worship teams here at Bear Life Church. Come on, can we get for our worship teams? Don't they do an amazing job? Man, I love, it's like, I don't even wanna get up and preach. Let's just keep worshiping, you know? So it's like, yeah, let's just keep worshiping, you know? And we're gonna have that coming up on November the 7th. I'm super excited about the night of worship, which obviously we're having services that morning. But we're just gonna come in here and just sing praises to the Lord, and I'm telling you what, the worship team is gonna put together a great set for us to come in and just worship. That is time-saving Sunday, so if we fall back, so you're gonna have an extra hour of sleep, so you better come in and worship your face off. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be a good, good time. Come on, get your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week, but let's just make sure we're on the same page, put this all in context. And John chapter eight, Jesus comes out, you remember this at the Feast of Tabernacles, and it says, I am the light of the world. And if you're following me, I'll never lead you in darkness, I'll allow you to see where you're heading, where you're going, and direction for your life. Great, if you missed it, you could go back and watch it online. When John chapter nine, just ironically, don't you think, uh, ironically, uh, there was a guy who was born blind, he could not see, Jesus heals him, and he goes and he shows himself to the Pharisees so he can get reinstated to come back into the synagogue. And so they went back and forth and they said, hey, how in the world can you see again? And, and where's your parents? And the parents said, I'm telling you, he was born blind, and, but now he can see, I don't know. Ask him, he's old enough. And he said, listen, all I know is this. There's a guy named Jesus. I didn't know his name at the time, but this name Jesus. I was born blind, but now I can see. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand it and they started like debating back and forth. So he said, listen, if this guy is a sinner, then he begins to preach to the religious people. He said, if this guy's a sinner, then how come God answers his prayers? Because we know God doesn't answer the prayers of sinners. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand it. And so they say, how can you teach us what God said? And they excommunicated him out of the synagogue. Now, this is what's very fascinating. See, the guy was born blind. Well, at the time, the Pharisees thought either one, God saw in the future that he was gonna be a wicked sinner and cursed him at birth, or his parents did something wrong and he was born and, and blind because his parents did some sin in their life. Now, we know that's not true, but that's what they thought. So he was not allowed his whole entire life to come into the presence of God, into the synagogue, quote unquote, church, to worship because they thought he was dirty, something unclean, he was a sinner. And so now he can see. And so now for the first time in his life, I get to go to church, I get to go to the synagogue, I get to go and worship. And he comes to a place and finally has to show himself, right, to the high priest, but to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees now kick him out of the synagogue. And now here finally he's healed, but he can't worship. And he can't, he can't come into the presence of God, quote. The Bible says Jesus found him. And Jesus goes up to him and encourages him and restores him and says, hey, listen, let me tell you, you're not the one that's blinded, they are blinded. And they looked at Jesus, would you call us blind? How are we blinded not to do what we've done? And then that's what we picked up in John chapter 10 last week where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the only one that lets people in and out of the sheep pen. Remember, he says sheep can go in and go out. There's a gate, there's one gate here to go in. Jesus says, listen, you are not the gatekeepers, Pharisees. You can't tell who can come into the sheepfold and who cannot come into the sheepfold. Who's able to worship God in his presence and who's not? I am. And when he said that, he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the gatekeeper. And so in John chapter 10, verse 9, we'll pick up right there real quick. He says, yes, I am the gate. Whoever comes through me will be saved and though will go out and go, come and go freely and find good pastors. And then here's our signature verse here at Better Life Church. He says, the thief 
purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Two meanings to this. First, let's put it in context. He's saying there are false prophets and they're gonna lead you astray. They wanna steal, kill, and destroy you. They're the Pharisees who are gonna tell you who they think can come to church and who they think can't go to church, who they can worship and who they can't worship in the presence of God. Watch out for these thieves. They're trying to rob you from the abundant life, a full life, a joyful life. But there's also the context is the enemy, the devil. He's gonna do everything he can to destroy you, take you out, everything he can. But Jesus says in John 10, 10, but my purpose is to give them a rich life, a full life, abundant life, a satisfying life, but the message paraphrase is a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And it's based on that verse we even named our church, Better Life Church. Why? Because Jesus come to give you a better life. Now what's the better life? The better life is past, present, and future. Past, my sins are forgiven. Present, I have a purposeful living. I have a reason that I'm alive today. And then future, I get a home in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but if all that God does for me is cancel out my sin, give me a purpose to live every day, and take me home to be with him in heaven, no matter what happens here on this playground we call planet Earth, listen to me, that makes my life better. Five of you said amen. All right, that's good. You're with me this morning. That makes my life better. So that's what we're here. We're here to help you Follow the shepherd, follow Jesus, enter the gate so you can have an abundant life, a full life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. Okay, that's all background. Y'all ready for the sermon? So let's go. All right, here we go, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Here's the next I am statement. He says, I am the gate, and then he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, the Pharisees just like fell back right here because the shepherd's God. The shepherd's the one who takes care of Israel. When he makes this statement, I am the good shepherd, and he says the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, a hired hand, a work hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. But the hired hand runs away because he's only working for money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. Man, there is so much packed in these verses. But let's just walk through this. Here's the first point I wanna make is this. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. You see, in the Old Testament, the sheep died, right, to to sacrifice, to cover the blood, to cover the sins of Israel for the shepherd. Now, in the New Testament, the shepherd is gonna die for the sheep. His blood will be shed for his sheep. He says, if you're gonna hire a work can, a work can don't care about the sheep. He's just here to get a paycheck. Man, it's not my sheep. Somebody else owns the sheep. I'm just here, listen, just to make money, but I'll take care of them as long as there's no wolf around, as long as there's nothing taken after them. But the good shepherd says, these are my sheep, and I will die and sacrifice for mine. So how do I belong to the shepherd? How do I belong to him? Well, he purchased me. Did you know that? That Jesus purchased you? He purchased, he bought you. He bought me. How did he buy me? By his blood. When the shepherd died on the cross for us, the great shepherd, he poured out his blood. He died and he purchased me through his blood. And here's what you need to know about sheep. Sheep are defenseless animals. They have no defense mechanism whatsoever. They cannot take care of themselves whatsoever. You may know that if you know anything about sheep. I don't know, just of the research. They, they cannot take care of themselves. Listen to this. They're hardly, they hardly can see most of them are, are almost fully blind. They only can see super close up. They run into things all the time because they didn't know what next step to take. They don't know how to see, which means they must have a leader. Sheep must have a leader or they will die. They'll go astray. They'll be attacked by the wolf because they have no idea where they're heading. They're stubborn. 
Sheep are stubborn. They don't want to listen. They don't want to obey. They're stubborn. You got to get them and track. And here's a big one. They're prone to wander. They will wander off and wander away. Now, isn't it amazing that the Bible calls us sheep? <laughs> Does it sound a lot, a lot of times like us as Christians? How quickly we forget the miracles that God's in our life. He did things yesterday and the day before and the day before, but today we're faced for a mountain and we don't think God can come through for us. How quickly we forget how short-sighted we are from the miracles of God in our life and how he provides for us and texts for us and protect us. How stubborn can we be as believers? How prone to wondering are you and I to get off track and we wonder and do our own thing that we need a shepherd to take care of us? And so if you put this in the context, remember the blind beggar? The Pharisees kicked him out and said, you're not allowed to welcome into the sheepfold. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who sacrifices his life. Now, last week, I talked about how the shepherd, when they go out into the fields, a lot of times they've already built these, uh, think of these little kind of huts without roof on it, made out of rock. And they would stack these stones up into almost a full circle and they would push all the sheep inside of it, and then the shepherd would lay at the entrance of this, this carved out, sometimes a cave, or carved out rocks, and he would lay at the entrance, which when Jesus says, I'm the gate. You can't enter this sheepfold without me or by me or through me. But it's also what the shepherd did. The shepherd would lay there at night in between so nothing could come in to steal the sheep, so the wolf can't come, so no one could come and harm them. He says, I am that shepherd that will sacrifice my life for the sheep and for you. I will lay down my life for every single one of them. You remember, if only one is lost, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, will leave the 99 to go find the one. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. To protect you, to help you, and to direct you back into the family, back into the sheepfold, back into where there's safety so you won't be alone. And, and I just wanna bring your, your, your eyes to this part of the verse here. Because it says, the wolf attacks them and then scatters the flocks. I'm just gonna be very honest with you. Here in the western part of the world, especially in the United States, the wolf is having a heyday. The wolf is loving exactly what's taking place. The wolf is the devil and Satan himself. The devil has scattered the people of God and the church of God in the last 18 months. The church has been scattered all over the place, especially here in the United States. People right now, they're scattered. The church is scattered all over the country. They're scattered. So the church is afraid. They're in fear or they're prideful. I don't know about you, but every single American in the last 18 months has got a medical degree and become an expert in viruses. Have you noticed that, right? The wolf has divided the church politically. It's divided the church spiritually. It's divided the church theologically. It's divided the church medically. It is roaring around like a big old bad wolf scaring the believers all over the place and they've scattered. God's sheep, look around, they're scattered. People have scattered, not just here, but all over the churches in the United States. They have scattered. But let me tell you something about the wolf. My God, my shepherd has knocked the teeth out of that wolf. It can go around and growl and snore, but it has no bite. Oh, oh death, where is your sting? He has taken the sting out of death. Listen to me, sheep. We have nothing to be afraid of. But the wolf is going to do everything he can to divide the body, to divide the sheep, and to scatter them. Why does the devil want to scatter the sheep? And look around. They've been scattered. Why does the devil want to scatter the sheep? Because the moment that a sheep leaves away, gets away from the flock, and gets isolated, he will assassinate them. And so right now, folks, listen. The enemy loves what's going on. He's going to do everything he can to scatter the church of God. 
so that when you isolate yourself, he is going to attack you and attack your marriage, attack your, 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 your family, your health, your emotions, your fight. He's gonna do everything he can to destroy you. That's why the Bible says, as the end draws nigh, and I'm gonna talk about that in November, as we get closer to the end of the world, when Jesus comes back, the church should be meeting more together, not less. Encourage one another, the author of Hebrews says, as the day draws nigh, that we should be meeting together more and more and more. But I'm telling you what, the enemy is going to continue to scatter the church. But let me tell you something, let me tell you something. It's God's church. God will build his church. We have nothing to be afraid of. In fact, when persecution comes, that's when the church explodes in growth. If you don't believe me, go look what happened in China right now. All over, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are being saved every single day in an underground church where they can't even meet where if we would do what we do, we'd be arrested in this communist country. But in China right now, the church of God is exploding all over the place. Why? Because when there's persecution, people get saved and God does something. And it's just a matter of time. It's coming here, y'all. It's just a matter of time. It's coming. And when the church finally gets persecuted, I'm not talking to be talked bad about or they didn't vote the way you vote. I'm talking when the church gets persecuted, then we'll see the gospel explode and then we'll see thousands and thousands of people saved and revival break out when persecution comes. Go all the way through scripture. When persecution comes, the gospel is expanded and folks, it's just a matter of time. It's coming. The wolf is out and he's snarling and he's growling, but listen, he has no teeth. He cannot hurt you but we're running in fear or we're running in pride one way or the other and it's, the, and it's destroying the church. But listen to me, God's in control, we know that. He will build his church and we just need to keep our eyes on the good shepherd. Okay, enough of that. And the second point is this. The good shepherd, this is really cool, knows his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Isn't it glad, aren't you glad that God knows you? Like he knows you. Like he don't just like know about you, he knows everything about you. He, he designs you like with this, the skin color that you have, the color of hair that you're gonna have, your DNA, he knows everything about you. I mean, he just, he knows, he, he don't just know you intellectually, that's what we think, we think you know somebody. That word know means he knows you intimately. Listen to what he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father, look at this, knows me. Now think about that. Just as the Father knows the Son, Jesus says, I know you. The same know. What know is it? Not know about. Know intimately, a relationship. And I know the Father. So here, why? Because of that, here's what I'm gonna do. Watch this. I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Not only do I die for my sheep, to protect my sheep when the wolf comes, but watch this. I know my sheep. What does he know about us? Here's some good things. I was just thinking, here's a, he knows your name. Like, he, if you see Jesus walks through, he goes, come here, Zacchaeus. He calls people by name all the time. Hey, he calls them by name. Come follow me. He knows your name, but he also knows your nature. He knows how you're wired. He knows if you're introverted, if you're extroverted, if you like being in crowds, you don't like being in crowds. He knows every single thing about you. He knows how you're wired. And because of that, listen, he knows your needs. He knows exactly the problems that you're facing in your marriage, in your finances, in your addictions, or in your emotions, at work, at home. It doesn't matter. He knows everything that you need. And as the good shepherd who will provide and take care of his sheep, that should bring peace to our hearts and our souls. Here's the third point I wanna make out, is this. The good shepherd brings other sheep into his flock. Now this, is, this is, should be shout noise for me and you. That the good shepherd brings other sheep into his flock. John 10, verse 16. I have other sheep. But who are they? 
I have, what does he mean I have other sheep? I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. Well, who else is not part of the sheepfold? I must bring them also, they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, let's go back, put this in context. Guy born blind, wants to go to the synagogue. Jesus heals him. He goes to the synagogue to enter into the sheep pen. Right, I wanna be part of the synagogue. I wanna be part of the family. I wanna be part of this covenant believing group. Finally, he can see. Guess what they do? They excommunicate him out. Even though he's born of Abraham, he's got the blood, he's got the DNA. He's a true child of Israelite. It's in him. Therefore, he's kicked out. Jesus looked at the ones who thought they were shepherds trying to take care of the Israelites, trying to take care of the people to God, thought they had the power to say who can come into the family and who can't come into the family. Jesus says, oh, by the way, you think about letting people in and out. I have other people who are not of this sheep pen, who are not Israelites, who are not this Jewish nation. And guess who he's talking about? Samaritans, Gentiles, you and me. Jesus, because of his grace and his mercy, because he's the great, great shepherd, watch this, he's not only gonna allow this awesome plan for just Israel, he said, I'm gonna bring everybody in who will follow my voice, no matter who you are. And if we know this, we see there were prostitutes and there were sinners and there were tax collectors and there was all these people who Jesus called them by name and they entered into the sheepfold. There were Samaritans, the Samaritan woman, and revival broke out in Samaria. Paul takes the gospel to the Gentiles. That's why you and I are able to hear the message today. Because what? He says, I've got other sheep you don't even know about, but I'm gonna bring them in into this. And watch this. There will be one family, one shepherd. Now, to this point, to the Pharisees, to the Jew, thinking there's gonna be a Samaritan to worship with them, that is no way. Jesus says, that's who I am. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who has the power to let people in and out of the gate. I'm the one who's gonna lay at the entrance and protect them and can stand up and say, come on in, great is your reward. Come on in, you put your faith and trust in the shepherd, the one who can lead you, because I am the light of the world. I am the gate, and I am the shepherd. Next week you'll learn I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, not, uh, he's not the best way. He, he's not like he's the only, he's the only way. The only way, and we'll learn about that next week. He says this, I will bring the other sheep into my family, and the Pharisees going, what is this guy thinking? How is this even possible? We are the true children of Abraham. We're, who else is there? There's you and there's me, and I'm so thankful that God and the good, great shepherd has extended his grace and his mercy to people like you and to people like me. And then the fourth and final one is this. The good shepherd lays down his life and takes it back up. The good shepherd will lay down his life and he will take it back up. Verse 17. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life and I take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down and I also have the authority to take it up again. For this is what the Father has commanded. He voluntarily died. We see this. His voluntarily death followed by a victorious resurrection. From, from an earthly view, Jesus was executed. From a heavenly view, he willfully laid down his life. You see the difference there? He said on the cross, he said, it is finished. And the moment he said, it is finished, what does he do? He gives up his spirit. You cannot do that. You do not have the power to do that. He gave up his spirit. And he says, it's finished. It's been satisfied. The shepherd has died for his sheep. And I choose Romans, Pharisees, you didn't take my life from me. I chose it. 
And the only reason I'm about to give up my last breath is because I'm allowing myself to do it. And he did that, watch this, for you and for me. Why? So you would come into the family. So he would let the sheep in. And now some say, Pastor, I'm with the black sheep of the family. He lets the black sheep of the family in. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you've done, what you tried, what you've done in your entire life, what you said, what you looked at. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how wicked sinner you think you've been. If you put your faith in the shepherd, he says, come in. Come in. And that's what he wants for you. And that's what he wants for me. So what did he do? He laid down his life. The shepherd laid down his life for you and for me. And because his blood was shed, we now been bought, we've been purchased, we have a relationship with him. No longer do the sheep have to be sacrificed because the shepherd took our place. And so as, as sheep, what does that mean for me and you? Let's just apply this real quick. So as sheep, what does that mean for me and you? Here's some things real quick I just jotted down. That means this, one thing is we should be sensitive to his leading. Because remember, we're blinded, we're short-sighted. We can't predict the future. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, but we do know the one who holds tomorrow in his hand. So why would I not lean into the shepherd and say, I trust you, you're the light of my path. You're the lamp to my feet. And though I wanna know, you know a year from now what's going on, but you know, I'm gonna trust you and just take daily steps. We should be sensitive to his leading and nudging in our life. And God does that in many ways. I'm gonna show you just in a moment. He has a staff, he has a rod. Remember the shepherd? The shepherd has a staff, has a big curl at the end of it. The reason why is so when the sheep gets stuck, he can go down and pull the sheep out, hooks it around the neck. If it gets to the point where it's about to fall in the water, it will rescue it. But then it has a rod, and the rod is there to, to defend from the wolf or anybody who comes around to take care of him. So he goes, I'm gonna protect you and I will direct you if you'll trust me. If you'll trust me, which, which leads me that we should be eager to obey every one of his commands. When he commands it, we should do it. Why? Because he knows what's best for you and what's best for me. He's the shepherd. So when he says, come, we come. When he says, go, we go. When he says, forgive, we forgive. When he says, bless, we bless. Because that's what he does for us. He's the great shepherd. And there is a wolf out there who's gonna do his best to destroy. I think that's why you're here today, right? Because you know that. You're here to be encouraged and be around the family of God and the people of God, knowing that you've got a great shepherd to protect you, to be encouraged and to be edified and lift up. Here's something else. We should have confidence. Listen to me, sheep. We should have confidence that he will protect us. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be afraid. He will protect us. And whatever he allows happens, he allows happen to us because he's the great shepherd and he knows what's best, but he will protect us. And then one of the biggest things too is that we should be grateful for as, as a sheep following the shepherd is that our shepherd has eternally secured our salvation. Like we are eternally secured in the great shepherd, in this good shepherd, because he knows us. Just as the father knows the son and they are eternally secured together. Watch this, the son knows his sheep and they are one. And we should know every single day, no matter what, our past is forgiven. We have a purpose for living and we'll have a home in heaven. Our names have been written in that great book of life. And because of that, the shepherd will eternally secure you and keep you no matter how bad it gets, no matter what persecution comes, 
no matter what happens to the Western church or the American church, listen, we can trust the shepherd that he will protect us because we are his sheep. And so I wanna encourage you this morning to look to the great shepherd, this good shepherd. And the reason he calls him good, good was only attached to deity, attached to God. Remember the rich young ruler said, good teacher, and he goes, why you call me good? There's no one good but God. And then Jesus makes a statement, I'm the good shepherd. I am, ego eimi, I am Yahweh, the shepherd, not just of Israel, but anyone who will put their faith and trust in me and come through the gate, I will be your shepherd and I will take care of you. I'm gonna ask you would just to bow your heads. Two invitations. Here's the first one. You're here or watching online because God wants you to, period. I know somebody invited you, you got up, your alarm went off, and I know that. But listen, it's because God wanted you here. The good shepherd drawed you here. And he wants you to know that he loves you. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter where you've come from, with Jesus, you can start over. And so I beg you and implore you, will you give your life to Jesus and go through the gate? The good shepherd is drawing you. He's calling you by name. He knows everything about you. And so today, you can walk through that door by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. How do I come through the door, pastor? How do I get there? Here's what he says, believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. Believe that he got up on the third day. And believe that if you'll call on his name, he will save you because that's what the good shepherd does. So right where you are, it doesn't matter where you're watching online or one of our campuses, you can right now cry out to Jesus and say, I believe. Say, I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And right now, as best as I know how, I put my faith and trust in you. Forgive me of all my sin. And help me follow you, my shepherd for the rest of my life. Now, if that's you and you prayed that, just in a moment, a host is gonna come out. Maybe you're watching online. You can let us know in the chat. We're gonna tell you the text saved to this number. Why? Because we want just to celebrate with you. We wanna send you some information about following Jesus so you can experience this better life. Now, here's my second invitation. Right now, I wanna speak to the sheep. And those who put your faith and trust in Jesus. What are you facing right now in your life? That's either a pretty big mountain, trial, maybe in your marriage, maybe emotionally, maybe financially, maybe parenting, maybe it's at work, maybe it's your health. What in your life right now that the big bad wolf is snarling in? And honestly, you're, 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 you're intimidated some. You're a little afraid, scared, maybe depressed, anxious. What is it in your life right now that's your mountain, that you're in the valley or you've got to climb up out of this? Now, I want you to picture whatever that is. And then in light of seeing whatever challenge you're facing right now, and we all have them, some small, some big, and all in between. But whatever challenge you're facing, I want you to look 
through the lens of the greatest psalm, the most well-known psalm in the world, Psalms 23. I want you to look at your problem through the lens of what the good shepherd is telling you this morning. So picture your challenge and put this lens on, put these glasses on and look through it through this verse. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. Whatever you lack, the Bible says, he's your need because he's the great I am. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, which literally means he brings me to repentance. He restores my heart and my soul. He guides me. You need direction this morning? Is that your challenge? He guides me in the path of righteousness. Why does he do this? For the sake of his name. Not your name, his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though you fill in the blank, you walk through this marital problems, you walk through the financial problems, you walk through your health problems, you walk through the work problems, you're walking through your emotional problems, you fill in the blank. Even though I walk through these problems in my life, I will not fear it. Why? Why? Because the shepherd's with me. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. You will protect me, you will direct me, your rod and your staff comforts me. Some of you even feel like the enemies are attacking you all over the place. He goes on and says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They're all around me. You've anointed my head with oil, but watch this. Even though I'm sitting in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows, which literally means I'm satisfied. Certainly, verse six, certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life. No matter my challenge, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through. At my dwelling, my home, my tabernacle, my tent, my house will be in the house, because I'm secured, of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. And so in light of your challenge, looking at looking at it through the lens of Psalms 23. How can you rejoice or relax or let go in this peace and say, I'm going to trust the Good Shepherd who knows all my needs, he knows all my pain, he knows every situation, I trust him. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us this morning that you are the great shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down your life, who draws sheep into the sheep pen, who has the power, Lord, to bring yourself back to life, Jesus. That's unbelievable. And therefore, no matter what we face, you have the power to fix it, to change it, or the power to sustain us as we walk through it. Thank you in advance for all the people who were saved today and God, lives that you touched. I pray that you would encourage every single believer in the house, Lord, and, and, and listening and watching that 
Lord, as the days draw nigh that we would encourage each other to not forsake assembling together and being together as the family, longing for the day that you come. And so, Lord Jesus, come. As we look and wait and watch, Lord Jesus, come. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen.